right. Let's uh, invite our speaker for this evening. Uh, it is the Spirit of God who who recharges us, who fills us with His presence and His joy. Would you bow your heads with me? Our dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much, Lord, that you are present and that you are in charge, that you dominate. And where your presence is, Lord, Satan has no authority. He has no authority and influence, and he cannot mess anything up, Lord, when you are present. So we thank you for your presence. And we invite you, O oh God, to take this, take this time and take this place. Wherever we are right now, Lord, in different parts of India, Sri Lanka, and uh, other parts of the world, wherever people are joining in from, Lord. Lord, this is a time to just stop and say, Lord, refuel me. Refuel me with your spirit, with your, with your wisdom, with your understanding. Refocus my thoughts on you. Lord, I've been distracted. Lord, I've been, I've been uh, dissuaded. Um, doubts have, have assailed me. Lord, would you take, take over my heart and mind? This is a time to be quiet in God's presence to sit under the teaching of the word, to sit under the teaching of the word. And as the word of God flows over us like water, we are washed, we are nourished, we are refreshed. All this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Welcome once again. Let's uh, dive straight in. And we are in Colossians chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 2. The thing is that from the beginning, as we started out Midweek Refuel, my desire was to focus on who we are as a church, who we are as a church. My focus was trying to understand, and this was around the time that we, the lockdown happened and, you know, the uh, church stopped meeting and, and, and it, was, it was an awesome opportunity to stop and ask the question, who is the church? Who are we? Who are we called to be? What are we without Sunday morning? Without our traditions and our ceremonies? Without our lunches and our, and our refreshments and snacks and chais? Who are we and what are we and what are we called to be? And if we were to strip away, which apparently is what God is doing, if we were to strip away everything that we considered lifestyle in terms of church and ministry and, 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 and uh, our faith walk, and we were brought to bear, B-A-R-E, we were brought to bear, bare minimum, just absolute basics. Who is the church? Who are we? So that is what we've been talking about. And in that quest, I have looked through chapter one, two, and three of Ephesians. We have looked through chapter one of Colossians, where we studied Christ, the one who is uh, is 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 the subject, the center of our church. And last time we said that he is the image of the invisible God. So if you would go back with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter one, verse fifteen. Go back to verse twelve. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Okay, so from now on, he starts talking about who this son is, what this son has, and what the son is going to become, in whom we have firstly redemption of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, so he created all things, 
whether in heaven, earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, all things created through him, for him. So he is not only the instrument of, uh, of, of cause, instrumental cause, he's also the final cause, the reason why everything was made. And then he goes on to explain about the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, you, verse 21, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, have now been reconciled in his flesh. So Jesus came, Jesus, who is everything we understood him to be from verse 15 onwards, that Jesus became a man. This man didn't become God. That God became a man. And with that, in his flesh, he reconciled us in our flesh to God in order that he may present you holy. Now, you, the reason I'm going through this is because it parallels what we are about to study. To present you holy and blameless. So that is what Jesus has done. Jesus has done this in order to be pre- for that we would be presented holy and blameless, above reproach, and that we would continue in our faith, stable, steadfast, and not shifting in the hope of the gospel. You see that? We're in verse 23. Verse 23. You see that? So this is what Christ has done. This is what Christ has done. Now, we go to verse 24, where Paul says, that's what Jesus did. Now, let me tell you what I am doing. Okay? And then he turns to us, the church, and says, this is what you must be doing. So what God has done in Christ, what Christ is done in us and for us, what Paul has done in connecting us, the gospel, bringing the gospel from Christ to us, and what we are doing cannot be disconnected. It's got to have a flow. It's got to be on the same page. It's got to have the same end result. So what Jesus, what God started and Jesus accomplished in the flesh, in bringing us back, we have to bring it to fruition. That is the purpose of the church. We have to finish the work. We have to be committed to the completion of this work. We cannot be unfaithful to God. We cannot be unfaithful to Jesus. And we cannot let the work be unfinished. So today we will answer the question, what should? what is the one thing that the church, the people of the church, the leadership of the church, the groups in the church, the home groups of the church, what is the one thing they should be passionately dedicated to? Today we'll answer that question. What is the one thing, if you drop everything else, all the singing, dancing, all the writing and all the articles, and if you drop all the other, you know, uh, self-help stuff and the counseling, what does it boil down to? What does God want from us? Okay, so that's what we want to answer today. And that's what we're going to find in the text. I'm going to go from verse 24 through to verse 20, uh, through to chapter 2, verse 7. Verse 24 through to chapter 2, verse 7. Okay, let me read for you. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. So Paul is talking about how he has perceived and how he what his perspective is upon the suffering he's going through. When he goes through problems in his body, he understands that Christ went through sufferings for us. Now he must also suffer, not for the sin, not for sin, but for the cause of the gospel. Not for sin, but for the cause of the gospel. If Christ first suffered and then was glorified. How can the root be different for me? Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. That's what gives meaning to suffering. When your suffering is because and through your suffering, others are blessed. That is when the, your suffering takes on meaning. 
in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church. Would you please underline or box the church? Okay, do that again. I, in my, in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction. Now, the question is, uh, Paul, are you saying that something is lacking in Christ's affliction? No, 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 not in terms of sin, not in terms of sin. But we have not suffered completely. The body of Christ has not suffered completely in order that, f- that full perfection might come about. The head has suffered for us, Jesus. He has suffered. He is now the what we call the qualified high priest. And he has seen death for every man. He has experienced suffering for every man. But the body of Christ also has to suffer in some ways for the cause of the gospel. And he says, I in my flesh, I'm completing that. Some people take this as, see, Christ also suffered. We must also suffer. Uh, for sin. That is not right. We are not suffering for sin. That is wrong teaching. That is heretical teaching. But we are suffering for the cause of the gospel for the sake of the glory. An athlete suffers. He says no to himself. He says no to pleasures. He says no to relaxation. He says no to sleeping in. He says no to to personal uh, uh, accolades for a period of four years until he performs and performs well in in the Olympics. Uh, we are to understand that suffering is part of what we are to accomplish. Box the church. For the sake of his body, that is the church. So you've got Christ ahead and the church. Now we have to understand what is the ministry of the church to the church. What is the ministry of the church to the church? Okay. So the church, verse 25, of which I am a minister. So Paul again clarifies, as he did in the beginning, Christ has called me to serve him. Christ has called me to serve his body, the church. That is my ministry. I am in Christ and my role and life and, and calling in Christ is to serve the church. Stop. Can you and I be any different? Can your calling and my calling be any different to Paul? Oh, but Pastor Jeremy, you're saying uh, we are not apostles. No, no, definitely we're not apostles. But we are in Christ. And Christ suffered for us. And we are complete in him. And we have been brought from darkness to light. And we have been redeemed in his blood. And we have been reconciled in his flesh. Everything that Paul has had, we've also had. So we may not be called as apostles, but we are commissioned as disciples. And how can we not have the same perspective? So now we're talking about the ministry of the church to the church. Who is the church? You and I are the church. Who are the church? The body of Christ. So what is the purpose of the body of Christ to the body of Christ? The church of which box I became a minister. I became a minister. Then he says, according to the stewardship from the from God that was given to me to make, please box that, box that, to make. So my, I'm, a min, my, I'm a minister to the church. What's my ministry? To make the word of God fully known. Underline, 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 underline. To make the word of God, underline, underline, fully known fully known. We're going to really pick up this this theme here, this motif here. And over the word, word, word of God, 
circle that and write Jesus. Because his goal is to make Jesus, who is God, fully known. To make Jesus, who is God, fully known. Right. Go back to verse 25. Which I am a minister according to stewardship from the God from God that was given to me for you, given to me for you to do what? To make the word of God fully known. What's the word of God in its fullness? Verse 26, the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints. The mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his servants, to his saints. To them, the saints, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. I repeat, to them, the saints, God chose to make known what? The great the, the mystery among the Gentiles that of the riches of the glory of his mystery. What is this mystery? What is the riches of the glory of this mystery? What is he telling the Gentiles that they didn't know from before? That is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Underline that. Christ in you, the hope of glory. God wants that Jesus be fully known Jesus be fully known. What will happen if Jesus is fully known? Then all men, Jews and Gentiles, all will come to Christ and be in Christ. All will come to Christ and be in Christ. And Jesus will be all in all. Underline that phrase once again, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him, him, circle him, him that is Christ. We Proclaim. Before you boxed to make known, now we say him we proclaim. So Jesus, Jesus, speak it out. Tell of him. Talk about him. Exalt him. Sing about him. Jesus, never stop. Him we proclaim. Okay? Now we're going to get a little list here. So get your pen out and let's make that list. Him we proclaim. How do we proclaim? What's our proclamation ministry? What is our preaching ministry? Number one. Warning everyone, not the everyone, all, full. Note, note those words he uses. Warning everyone, number two, and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Teaching everyone with all wisdom. So it's not a curriculum that we need to teach. It's a depth of wisdom that we need to teach, all wisdom. It's not a curriculum that we need to teach. Oh, he knows from Genesis to Revelation, Genesis to maps, he knows very good. No. There's a depth of Christ that a believer needs to know. There's a depth of Christ, of the knowledge of the wisdom of God that a believer expounds. He dives into that sea of the knowledge of Christ and he never comes out because there is so much to be known of him. Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everybody mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So what is my ministry, Paul says? He says it is to warn everyone. So there is an element of warning. Warning about swaying away, fading away. Warning about uh, drifting away from Christ. Warning about heresies. Warning about explanations. Warning about, uh, uh, not explanations, what's the word? What's the word? Um, uh, and, uh, what do you call those things? Uh, fables. Warning about fables and, and false false teachings. Okay, So there, there's a warning. 
that needs to be made. Number two, there's teaching everyone. There's teaching everyone. What do you teach? You teach the depth of the knowledge of God. You teach the wisdom that is in Christ. You teach where it can be found. He get, getting this. The ministry of the church to the church is to teach each other where to find the wisdom of God. It's not in books. It's not curriculum. It's not itemized. It's not data. It's not information. You teach people where to go looking for all the wisdom of God. Beautiful. Okay. And uh, teaching everyone and that we may present everyone mature in Christ. This is one of the most beautiful verses. It is the, it's a theme verse for many men's ministries. It says that we may present everyone or every man perfect, mature in Christ. Okay. So uh, this this is what, for this purpose, he says, I toil. Is that what your Bible uses? The same word? For this purpose, I toil. I toil. What, what, what's my struggle? You see, what's my passion? What do I have sleepless nights for? I struggle with all his energy. I struggle. I struggle with his energy that he powerfully works within me. Paul, hang on, hang on. Wait, Paul. If God is at work, if his energy is working so powerfully, then why are you struggling? Because ministry is a fight. Ministry is passion. Ministry is not an occupation. Ministry is not, uh, it's not for a few select people. Ministry is for the ardent follower of Christ who understands that Christ wants his whole body perfect. He wants his whole, the body of Christ, the, the, the people of God, he wants them mature. So he wants us to warn them. He wants us to teach them where to find all that wisdom. He wants us to present them complete and mature in Christ. So what God started in calling people to Jesus, Jesus accomplished in coming to earth, reconciling us in the flesh and and becoming, uh, uh, taking us from the uh, domain of darkness into the domain of light, him, him we proclaim, him we proclaim, and we complete the process of bringing people to complete maturity in Christ. Warning everyone, teaching everyone, maturing everyone. Warning everyone, teaching everyone, maturing everyone. Warning everyone, teaching everyone, maturing everyone. Our Sunday school is not a babysitting program. It is a discipleship program. Our men's, our men's ministry is not a, not a problem-solving ministry. It is not a self-help ministry. It is not a, a support structure for us to hold hands and cry about life. It is, it is about presenting every man strong. Our women's ministry is about presenting every woman complete. Are you getting this? Our teens' ministry is it about presenting everyone complete. If we are not growing, if we are not growing, if we're not maturing everybody, if the one goal we have for each other is, isn't our, our completion, our maturity, our fullness in Christ, then we might as well close shop. We might as well give up on the whole thing. So the goal is perfection, completion, fullness. Perfection doesn't mean sinlessness. It means wholeness or, 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 or maturity. So just like a fixed deposit comes to maturity when it comes, it gives its maximum interest or, or for when a fruit is come to its complete ripeness. 
just like that. It's not about being sinless. It's about being complete in Christ, where every, all of Christ is in all of me. All of Christ is in all of me. So Christ may be all in all. That's the goal. And for that, we cannot be apologetic. We cannot be apologetic. Why am I telling you all this? Why, am, why, are, we, why are we discussing this? Because you know what? God is at work in the world. Psalms 2 says, I will shake the nations. I will rattle the nations. Like, like an earthquake, I will shake the nations. And they will come to me. From all nations, they will come to me. He says in the last days, there will be pestilence. There will be plagues. There will be pandemics. He says in the last days, there will be natural disasters. And in the last days, people will run helter-skelter and they will begin to turn their eyes on me. Does this bring pleasure to God in the last days to do all this? No, but it is the last days and the time is running out and God is at work. So God has shut down church as we know it. And he's getting us on our knees. And he's getting us to the crux of the matter. And that is that everyone be presented mature in Christ. You don't need buildings. You don't need budgets. You don't need programs. You don't need PowerPoint. You don't need notes. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Bible. And you need fellowship. And you put those things in place. The word of God, prayer, fellowship, sharing. The word of God, prayer, fellowship, sharing. The word of God, prayer, fellowship, sharing. Put those basics in place and everyone will be mature. Worship, discipleship, ministry, fellowship, uh, evangelism. Worship, discipleship, ministry, fellowship, mission. You put the purposes in place and be purpose-driven and God will do the rest. Okay, chapter two. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have. See, Paul is saying that, that God's work, God's power is at work in me. But I must wrestle. I must wrestle with myself to keep the passion of ministry ahead of the passion of career. Passion of ministry ahead of the passion of love games. Passion of ministry ahead of the passion of, of being popular and being, being wanted and being, being somebody in this world. I must... I must wrestle with the with the passion for for the for the firstness of Christ, for the fullness of Christ. So I must wrestle. The passion and the struggle is within me. It's not in the ministry per se, because God is at work in the ministry. So again, he uses the word struggle. So you have to stop and ask, why do you use the word toil? Why do you use the word struggle, Paul? If God's power is working at you so powerfully, why are you struggling, Paul? Because in the, on the human front, there has to be a wrestling down to the ground of who will have the first, say, the first priority and the first passion of my life. For I want to know, I want you to know how great a struggle I have. Then he mentions three sets of people. He says, for you, for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen my face yet. For you, for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen my face. Why? That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the fullness of, uh, reach all the riches of the fullness of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge. Wow, that is so packed. Okay, let me go slow. Let me go slow. We are in verse one and two of chapter two of Colossians. And I'm in the ESV. 
For I want you to know what? How great a struggle I have. For what? For you and those at Laodicea and for those who have not yet seen my face. What's your struggle, Paul? What's you, what are you toiling over? That their hearts may be encouraged. Paul is struggling. He's struggling. He hasn't seen their faces. For you, for those at Laodicea, and for he's struggling, he's toiling that their hearts may be encouraged. Right now, I am on the internet. I am with you praying that the electricity won't go so that your hearts may be encouraged. I am coming to you midweek so that your hearts may be encouraged. I am coming to you day after day with something or the other so that your hearts may not grow weary, may not grow weary from doing good, may not grow weary in doubt that you may know that Christ and God is with you, that you may be encouraged. Number two, being knit together in love. Being knit together in love. Number three, to reach all, there it is again, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding. Okay? So every believer should be rich in his understanding of his assurance of salvation. Can you say that, that, that all our people are like that? That every member of our church is absolutely assured of their future, of their, of their walk with God, of their salvation? To reach all the riches of fullness, of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. So we want every believer, we want to present everybody, every believer perfect, complete, mature. What does that look like? It means that their hearts are encouraged, that they are knit together in love, and that in their head and heart, they have reached the full assurance of understanding and knowledge of what God's mystery is. What is God's mystery? Which is Christ which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See, again, we had all the wisdom and now we have all the treasures that are in Christ, the treasures of wisdom in Christ, treasures of wisdom in Christ, treasures of wisdom in Christ, unsearchable wisdom of God. You, you think one study, Bible study in the middle of the week is going to sort that out. You think just Sunday morning, Pastor Jerry with his pathetic, you know, uh, you know, human effort is, is going to del, enable every individual to dive in and swim through the, the majestic magnificence of the wisdom of Christ. No, 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 no. This has got to be a daily exercise. Daily, hourly, we have to be lost in the search of God's wisdom in Christ. He says, and look at this, which is Christ in whom, I'm in verse 3, in whom are hidden. See, God doesn't throw about his wisdom and his, his, his treasures all over for any and everyone. These are not tips for life. In whom are hidden all, there you go again, the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The treasures are hidden, but the treasure box is not hidden. The treasures are hidden in the treasure box, but the treasure box is not hidden. The treasure box is Christ. The treasure box is Christ. But when you open the treasure box, one wonders how much gold, how much precious stones, how much jewelry, how much ornament, how, how much, what's the value of everything in here? And my brothers and sisters, Christ invites us to a lifetime of evaluating the riches that are in Christ. 
I repeat, Jesus invites you and me into a life of evaluating and counting the riches that are in Christ. And to know that everything in Christ is mine. Everything in Christ is mine. So the riches and the valuables in the treasure box are not hidden. Sorry, they are hidden. They are hidden in the treasure box. But the treasure box is not hidden. The treasure box is Christ. Paul, what are you saying? I say this in order that no one delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in the spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. So Paul is very clear about the ministry of the church to the church, ministry of believers to other believers. He's very clear about that, that every believer must be in the pursuit of every other believer's maturity. Every believer's goal in life is to present every other believer mature, mature, complete in Christ. All of me, sorry, all of Christ in all of me so that Christ may be all in all. All of Christ in all of me so that Christ may be all in all. Pursue chemistry. Pursue biology by all means. Pursue architecture. Pursue careers. Pursue wisdom, knowledge and understanding of this world. By all means. By all means. Knock yourself out. Get as many degrees as you want. Pursue experience. Travel. Understanding. Philosophy. But above all, pursue Christ. All of Christ in all of me. So Christ is all in all. All in Christ and Christ in all so that Christ is all in all. Let's close. Verse 6 and 7. Therefore, therefore, verse 6 and 7. These are the two most beautiful verses in the scripture and, and our discipleship ministry is founded on this, these two verses right here. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. 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 Therefore, as you receive Christ, in the manner in which you receive Christ, how did you receive Christ? In humility and in faith. As you receive Christ your Lord, so in the same way, walk in Him. In the same way, walk in Him. Number two, rooted in Him. Number three, built up in Him. Number four, established in the faith. Number five, abounding in thanksgiving. Okay, let's do that again. Let's go from the top. What do we want to see in the maturity of every believer? As, as, in the same manner. That means what you started in faith, don't continue in works. That's what Galatians is all about. What you started in faith, don't continue in works. Number one, as, in the same manner. So it's a faith-driven life. Two, as you received Christ. As you received Christ, you allowed him to come in and you allowed it all of you in all of me so that you may be all in all, Jesus. Therefore, as you receive Christ in us, so in the same manner, in that kind of fullness, that kind of come, Lord, that kind of welcome, walk. Number one, walk in him. What does walking imply? Walking implies a pathway. Walking implies steps. Walking implies staying in step with God. Walking implies following a particular path. Walking implies progress. Walking implies fellowship and intimacy with the one you are walking with. Walking in implies life. 
you're alive. Walk in him. Number two, rooted. What does rooted imply? Rooted is not walking. Rooted is standing still. So that's a different story. Rooted is standing still. And when something is rooted, it doesn't plan to move. So it is about convictions. It's about immovability. It's about standing your ground. Number two, it is about nourishment. Because when something is rooted, it is not only holding strong, but it is going deep and drawing nourishment from the earth. So we walk in him. We are rooted in him. And the next picture he says is we are built up in him. So built up, what is that? Built up is always built on top of a foundation. You never build high unless you've built deep. You never build high unless you're built deep. But the foundation here is roots. So when you build high, you're building fruits. You're building fruits. So you're building high and you're building up in Christ. You're growing up into Christ. That is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You're growing into the full stature of Christ. Jesus, let me remember that verse completely. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So we are rooted downwards. We are built upwards into Christ, in him. See that? In him. So it's not just upwards anywhere, but into Christ. And number four, we are established in the faith, right? You started by faith. And it was more of a touchy-feely sort of, uh, you know, you know, abandon all, jump in all, you know, feet first, whatever. But now you're solid. Now you're solid. Faith must turn to reality. Faith must take on some some establishment. When you so root is plantation, walk is human uh, in terms of relational. Built up is edifice. It's a building. But established is more like a, 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 an institution. You know, it's strong in the faith. And finally, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Because gratitude is the fruit and the attitude of your, of, of your life in Christ. Gratitude is the attitude of your life in Christ. So, <clears throat> we are talking about what should the church be passionate about? What should believers be passionate about? Strip everything away from Christianity as you know it today and bring the church down to bare people in the homes, just a few people with the communion and all just absolute what are we about? What are we about? Answer, we're about discipleship. We're about presenting everyone complete in Christ. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord. So, number one, walk in him. Number two, be rooted in him. Number three, be built up in him. Number four, be established in the faith. And number five, abound in thanksgiving. It is not anything other than this. This is what the church is, church is called to be. This is who we are. This is what we must be about. This is what small groups must be about. Home groups must be about. Sunday school must be about. Men's ministry must be about. Women's ministry must be about. Family must be about. Everything needs to focus and flourish around this one thing. What is it? Go back to verse, go back to verse uh, uh, 28. Him we proclaim. Him we proclaim. Go back to verse uh, 2 of chapter 2, which is Christ which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Should the church care for the poor? Yeah, 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 it should. Should the church care for the world around us and, and, and try and fix a broken world? Yeah, absolutely. The love of God must be. 
But what God is committed to, Christ is committed to, and Paul is committed to, how can we not be committed to it? What God is committed to, Christ is committed to, and Paul is committed to, how can we not be committed to it? How can it not be the overbearing passion of our souls? How can it how can it not have sleepless nights over the fact that everyone in our church is not mature? That is the crux of the matter. Our dear Heavenly Father, oh God, have mercy on us. Lord, is there any wicked way in us? Is there any sinful way in us, Lord? Ask the church. Have we been liberal in anything that you are not? Father in heaven, has, has the church gone in a direction that you never intended for it to go? Are we, have we moved from a pursuit of, of perfection and maturity to, to becoming a, a wartime hospital Are we just a first aid center caring for people's immediate wounds and then they carry on with their lives as soon as they become okay? Have we become a people who, are, who just pamper each other to carry on our own passions rather than the passion of Christ? If you were to count the number of people in my congregation, who were passionately dedicated to being fully in Christ and Christ fully in them. If you were to count the number of people in my congregation who were abandoned to find the wisdom of the treasures of that are in Christ, who would be willing to give up life and pleasure to be found in Christ, complete, wise, Mature. Lord, if you were to count, how many would you find? How many would you find, Lord God? Father in heaven, I want to thank you so much for your word and for your reminders. I want to thank you against all odds and reluctantly I want to thank you for the difficult times that the church has gone through. Forcing us to come to stop and go back to the question, Lord, who are we? What have you called us to be? And when we think of revival, revival, we always think of revival as people coming back to Christ and worshiping Christ and, and making, him, making him first and foremost in their life. Lord, that we're not doing you a favor by doing that. That's not revival. Revival is when there is a deep thirst and a hunger, an insatiable hunger for Christ. Lord, I pray for revival. Lord, I pray for revival. I pray for a renewal and a revival of outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon our people and upon Delhi and North India. Lord, I pray for an outpouring that our people might be consumed with the hunger. Lord, sometimes I fast and, 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 and sometimes in the middle of that fast, I become horribly hungry and irritable and angry and hungry. Lord, I want to be that hungry for you. 
I want to be that hungry for you. All of Christ in all of me. So that Christ is all in all. Rooted, built up, established in the faith and abounding in thanksgiving. This is my prayer for everyone who has taken the time and energy to be with me this evening for a whole hour. For everyone who is committed to opening the word every day and letting the spirit of God speak to them. To those who have been faithfully praying in groups, making an effort, scheduling and rescheduling and rescheduling until the prayer group happens. Oh God, we celebrate that. Oh, we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for the number of groups that have been praying in our church. More have been praying together and, and, and intentionally than ever before. How can you not reward that? How can you not come down in pleasure and in anointing and do something powerful in our church? Jesus, I beg you. Starting with me, Lord. Release a hunger, because even that comes from you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have taught us today. How much I wish I could know and see the people who are with me this evening. How much I wish I could hug them and tell them that God is in control. That God is with them. Face to face. Walking. Hearts knit together. That is the church. The body of Christ. And many more yet need to be part of it. Many more yet need to be home. Lord, let us not rest. Waste our times on earthly pursuits. Until everyone who is to know you. Comes to know you. Christ all in all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. What a wonderful pleasure to be with you and uh, to look into God's word uh, via WhatsApp or any other form. If you have any questions, I would love to, uh, I would love to uh, answer those questions. I attempt at least to answer those questions. So thank you so much for being with us tonight and taking the time out. If you haven't already had dinner, have a good dinner. God bless you. I deeply love you. And I'm praying for you. Good night.